Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, we come to your house this morning with a blessing it is. A blessing to be in your in your house where we can worship you. It's good to be with your people. It's good to take time and to focus our hearts towards you. It's good for us to spend time in your word. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would remind us of our legacy. That Lord, as we begin to unwrap that again today, that we would spend time thinking not what we want, but what you want. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. May I remind you, this is... uh, This is Paul talking to his protege, Timothy. Paul, near the end of his ministry, Timothy, a young man, just beginning to lead people. And so Paul reminds him, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. And have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Come to you this morning, Lord, not really feeling able to be your children for those failures that we've had in our lives. And yet you call us right back to you because you love us so. Lord, for those this morning who are here, feeling guilty or jaded or just, Lord, even like there's something between you and them, I asked even now that you would wipe away those things that keep us between you and us. That, Lord, when we hear your word this morning, it'll be powerful because there will be nothing to keep us from hearing your voice. 
You have something for us today. You desire for us to hear you speak. So speak into our lives. Quiet our lives even just for a few moments that we would hear you. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. And if you're a children, you can church. All right, I want to start off this morning with a little bit of feedback. And not the kind that, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not the kind that Jason can give me either. <laughs> You've had a week to think about legacy. I've heard some comments about what that means. I've heard some comments that I need to define it again. So tell me what you, what you think legacy is, now that you've had a week to think about that, and to ponder your own life, what does your spiritual legacy look like? I missed that. What was that? Under construction. Okay. Fair enough. Other thoughts? Listen, I'm tired. You don't get to be quiet. You have to talk. Okay, fair enough. God only knows. What other thoughts about your legacy, your spiritual legacy? Ah, thank you. What they remember after your name is forgotten. See, Jesus in your eyes, in your life. Did you say life? I, okay. I, can't, I, I think a great example is walking out in that cemetery. There are some people, we walk right by their, their stone and we didn't know them and or they didn't have any impact on our life or they were there a long time before we were born <laughs> kind of things. But then there's these, there are others uh, that we know their legacy, right? They had an impact on our life. And we walk out there through certain spots and it's like family reunion time because we remember the difference they made in our life. That's just one example. Any other thoughts about legacy? Brian Renner. I was about to say that if everyone remembers the impact we have on others. Okay. The impact that we have on other people. Now we're going to spend a couple more weeks talking about legacy, and I want you to begin to think. I hope that God puts it on your heart during the week, not just on Sunday morning at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, but rather all week long I heard some stories of people talking about legacy and um, and what that might mean in our own life, because our life is, is a work in progress. I like under construction. I like that idea, right? It's not just this one little piece, it's but a very a long. So I found another, I'm just going to find some definitions that maybe wouldn't fit the Webster's definition, but might give you some things to think about. And this one says, what you have succeeded in building or destroying during your lifetime. What you have succeeded in destroying or building in your own lifetime. Now the, script, the scriptures, the Bible doesn't talk too much about the word legacy, but rather it talks about the word inheritance. 
that for some, so if you're going to go look in Scripture, uh, I would encourage you to look up inheritance and think about inheritance. And maybe that word fits a little bit better for you. 200 and, I don't know, 40 times it's in Scripture. God, uh, There's a lot of uh, talks about inheritance, what we're going to give or what we're going to uh, give to the person next. Inheritance, we always think about money, do we not? We think about how much money am I going to get from my inheritance? Well, the question we have today is, uh, do you want to live out your legacy? Do you, are you interested in living out the legacy God has put in your life? Today's scripture, I, I believe Paul would have said, no good deed goes unpunished. Have you ever heard that? No good deed goes unpunished. That might have been what was on Paul's mind when he was writing his letter to his, uh, this young man, Timothy, when he was trying to give him sage advice to remind him that I'm at the end of my journey, Timothy, but you are at the beginning of leading people, of being a pastor, of, of ministering to those God has put in your path. And Paul is telling Timothy, these are the realities of faith. So it's not just the realities of being a pastor or a leader, but rather the realities of having a faith and living it out. And I believe Paul would say, listen, it's not for everyone. And it's not for the faint of heart. Because right off the bat, he says, remember what happened at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? Does anyone know what happened at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? Good, because now you got some homework. Write this down, Acts chapter 13 and 14. I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint today, but I want to encourage you to read it. Read Acts 13 and 14. You'll find out really quickly what happened to Paul. You know what happened to Paul? He's preaching. He's doing God's work. He's going to these places to share the gospel, right? If anybody should have a good, uh, an easy ride, wouldn't it be Paul? He's going to share the gospel with people who have never heard it before. Guess what happens in these three cities? Well, they didn't stone him, but they, they definitely caused him a lot of problems. They got him kicked out. They got him arrested at one point, right? They got him kicked out. They chase him out. They put people... Uh, they have people, so, so just like if it was in this setting, there would be people who come in and just start, uh, John, just start making noise, causing disruptions in the, during the, the time when Paul was preaching. There were people that Satan would put in that, into that path and take over and cause Paul distress uh, and finally getting kicked out. You ever been uh, wronged when there was nothing that you did wrong? You ever felt that? I had that happen here in ministry once. And it's, probably, it's been, I'm over it, but it's been a while. Uh, back when we used to go, a long time ago, actually, Joel Zaborowski, I think, began it. Uh, we used to go to the Seneca High School for lunch once a week. And we would sit in the lunch, lunch room and just hang out with the kids. And it was a tradition through, through Greenfield, and we would get permission every year. And we would go there once a week, just sit and hang out with kids 
Uh, obviously, you can't talk about the gospel unless you're asked at that moment. But some of the kids, I was thinking Katie and Richard. I met Richard the first time I ever met him. Was at, uh, was at uh, Wattsburg. Uh, and he had his eye on Katie, but I don't know if she knew that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I can't help but think of the times. And well, Anyway, long story short, someone found out. Someone who didn't have a clue who I was. Didn't know my background. Didn't know that I had my clearances. Had never met me. Who had the audacity to accuse me of things that I didn't do. And not only accuse me, not to my face, obviously, but the better way that we do things in life. Put it on social media. To say things about my character. To, t- to just try to assassinate my character. And maybe I was going to teach her child something good. And we went through that process. You may remember we went to the school board and we talked to the school board about it and uh, it ended up being a legal battle of what we chose not to fight. But the reality was I went through that and I still have files in my office and for a long time after that I was jaded towards the school and frustrated because people, I felt like very much like I didn't do anything negative towards the school and someone felt like I was the problem. And I don't know about you, but that was bothersome to me. And I even questioned, God, why would you put me in the middle of this mess? I just want to go do ministry. I just want to meet with kids and invite them to Jesus. That's my goal. And it was frustrating for a while. And then I realized, yeah, that's what ministry is about, is it not? There are going to be places and people who don't like you. There are going to be things in your path. That's okay. Like Paul says, get a reputation. A reputation? Usually that's a negative connotation, is it not? Get a reputation, Paul says. Here's Paul's reputation. Remember my teaching and my conduct and my purpose and my faith and the way I and the patience I showed and the love and the perseverance and the persecutions and the sufferings. All those are things that I have endured. God rescued me from. My reputation is that those are just things in my life and I'm going to, uh, my legacy was and is, Paul's saying, that no matter what's going on, my reputation is, is that I'm going to continue to follow God. And so I'll ask you, is your reputation, is your legacy pointed in the direction that God is leading you? I'm not much for memes, but I got wherever Brentley is, I got this one for him. Uh, this meme says, the first and last time teenage boys ever refused food. Does that stick out to anybody? Anybody know what that is? What that's about? It's from Daniel, right? If you don't know, it's an Old Testament. Uh, there's an Old Testament book about Daniel and his three buddies, and they were given the opportunity to have royal food, good food, and they chose not to. And they asked Daniel asked for water and vegetables. 
rather than real food. And he gained a reputation with the guard and further on into the, in the, with others because of who he was in God. I just thought that was a pretty good, pretty good meme. It's probably way more true than... So if you want to live out your legacy, you need to have a reputation of being a believer who sticks tight to God, who is led by the Spirit, who is moved by God in the direction that He wants you to go, who has patience and endurance. Get a reputation. Second, he says, expect disrespect. If you desire to live godly in in Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. Sometimes it's really small. Such as a few times I've been at a kitchen table or at a dinner table and someone said, hey, give me the deviled eggs, would you? And it was said just to mock my faith. I like devil eggs too. But it was poking. Sometimes it looked like Wattsburg School District. Sometimes it's our own family who struggle with our faith. Who talk behind our back who don't understand the difference that God makes in our life. Grow some skin, some thick skin. It's going to be there. It's a part of the faith walk. If it's not, you should be a bit concerned. Because maybe you haven't told anybody about your faith. This is what the world wants to do, is it not? Watch news for more than three or four minutes. Talk to, to the people in the world and you'll find out very quickly that they want to push the Bible and any of those ideals away from life. That is what is going to happen. That's a part of our, our faith walk. You are going to be disrespected. Take it in stride. Think one second about what Jesus walked through in his life Someone turned on his, one of his 12 turned on him. He went to trial, was beaten, and then crucified. That's what life is it's going to be. I'm beginning to believe that the, part of the reason that we deal with all that, one, is that it does strengthen our faith. Two, it reminds us that this is not all there is. If you're having a great time in this world, then you probably have forgotten that there's a, something a whole lot better than this world. When I was in my 20s, I thought, I can't understand Paul's understanding of this, or Paul's writing saying, I'm stuck between life and death. I'm stuck between this understanding of I want to live more and I'm okay if I die. 
And when I was young, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get there, but I'm not there now. I got a lot of life to do. I got a lot of living to do. I'll be completely honest, I'm getting more understanding of uh, I'm stuck between life and death. There is, this is not all there is. And if this is all there is, it's a pretty sad uh, life we live. Scripture is really plain. It tells us there's so much more than here. Live your life so that your legacy will be a legacy of faith from one end to the other. Begin to build your legacy. If you're going to live it, you have to build it. You have to build your legacy, and it has to continue to grow. What, what's the, what's the, uh, the quote? Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And neither is your legacy of faith. It won't be built in a day. It's an encyclopedia of your life. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, listen, you're not going to, it's in the trenches that you're going to build your faith. And it's going to be over the time of going from one day to the next day to the next day. The people that we go and we see in this cemetery that really trigger our minds, that remind us of the saints, those who lived a legacy of faith, were not people who did one good thing. Were they? No. They were people who lived their life day after day full of faith. They lived and walked their faith. They were faithful to be involved and to continue God's work. And it wasn't for a week and it wasn't for a month or for a year, but for a lifetime. They lived out their faith. We have those people in our life for a reason. Because they made a difference. And I don't know if you've thought much about this. You had the same opportunity to have an effect on other people's lives. I won't live to see that. Maybe you won't either. But there'll be people that come after us. Who say they live the legacy of faith. They did what God was calling them to, even when it was hard. It wasn't an easy road, and yet they continued to follow God. It begins by living it out even today. Do you remember last week? Whoops. That was the verse. Remember last week we talked about Abraham? And Abraham was promised this great nation, if he would just leave his family and go off where God was going to tell him where to go. And this is in Hebrews, and if you don't know much about, uh, there's a Hebrews, it's called the faith chapter. Hebrews chapter 11 has a lot of uh, heroes of the faith. And Abraham is in there, and it says, Abraham by faith, obeyed when he was called to go out into a place where he was going to receive his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He went where God was leading him. 
He lived out his faith. Did he do it perfect? Nope. That's a standard I can appreciate. He didn't do it perfectly. He tried. He had some mistakes. There's only one person who did it perfectly. And Scripture tells us there's one person who came to this earth and lived a perfect life, who did everything God wanted him to do. I can't even not think bad things sometimes. Sometimes I even say them. I know none of you guys do that, but I, that happens to me once in a while. But Jesus came and lived whatever, 30 plus years of perfection. Not for something to do. But rather to leave a legacy. A legacy that would allow us to have faith and to draw close to God and to call on to Jesus and to have a relationship with him. That we might live eternity with God the Father. At the end of the day, all those little things will go away. The one thing that will last is eternity with God. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Those shingles, they're beautiful. When you drive by, take a look at them. No lie, they're, they're awesome. Yesterday at one point, I counted 20 guys on that roof at one point. I was going to go up there, but I thought I'd just be another slacker up there. There were 20 guys on that roof at one time. We had to beg them to eat hot dogs to get them off the roof. Beautiful roof. Amazing amount of work. And it was much appreciated, the time and energy. Someone, someone really intelligent once told me, at the end, it's all going to burn. My goal yesterday, my focus, and I'm beginning to understand how God moves in things, was not to put shingles on, but to share life with God's people. To influence those who maybe haven't met Jesus yet. Because long after that roof is gone, God will still be working in those people's lives who have met him. And so it's changed my focus. I love those projects. But I love those projects for a different reason. It puts us in contact with people we might not other, otherwise ever come in contact with. That we might not otherwise ever meet. They come thinking they need to help fix a roof. And I'm learning. I go because they need Jesus. They need Jesus. That roof will be long gone. Jesus will still be here.
Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray for those opportunities we had yesterday to cross paths, to be your hands and feet to people who maybe haven't never met you and don't even understand what they're missing out on. Lord, you put us in a path so that we can leave a legacy of faith. Lord, you put those opportunities in front of us so often. And sometimes we fail miserably. Sometimes we're victorious. Lord, I ask for more opportunities. You say that the field is ripe for harvest. That means we come in contact with people all the time who have not met you. That we, we cross paths with, with people who need a relationship with you. So Lord, prick our hearts. Smack us in the forehead if we need it. But whatever it takes, remind us that our life, the perfect life, the best life lived, will be one where we share our faith with someone who goes to heaven. Everything else will pale in comparison. Lord, if there's someone here today who hasn't made that decision, who doesn't know who you are, they've heard all about you. Good guy who came to, the, to this earth. But they haven't, they haven't made a connection realizing that they need you. I pray this morning, Lord, they wouldn't leave without that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.